But I'm the type that likes to light another joint like Cypress Hill I still do be spit loogies when I puff on it I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it Go get the S, the T-I-D-E-S Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh, rolling joints like a cigarette So pass it across the table like ping pong I'm gone, beating my chest like King Kong And some wrap my lips around the 40 And when it comes to getting another stogie What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back in the show, and today we're joined again by Matt Moderno. Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, Wells. Happy to be here. Always look, uh, enjoy talking basketball with you guys, so it should be a good combo. Well, I don't know if you want... Well, it'll be a good combo in terms of the stuff we talk about, but it's not going to be a lot of positivity, but... Uh, the, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about here as we get into some depressing Wizards talk is Bradley Beal was on NBC Sports Washington last night for, I think he was on, was it just pregame or was it halftime and postgame or whatever it was. He was on talking with the guys and they were talking about um, needs for the team and Beal had mentioned getting some guys that can get into the paint, obviously some guys that can shoot the three and play defense, but Matt, I wanted to give you the first crack at this since you had mentioned that you had an opinion on it. I, first of all, let me just say that everything, if you just printed up the transcript of what Brad said, I would be like, yes, I agree with it. They need all of these positions. But starting a sentence with, look, no disrespect to my current teammates, but, and then saying we can't have any more midget guards, we can't have any more guys that can't shoot, we can't have any more guys that don't defend, we can't have any more wings that don't three and D. It just seems tone deaf to me. Like, okay, some of those things he's saying that they need are also things they need of him, in my opinion, too. And it's one thing to say, like, I don't know. I just expected sort of a more generic, sort of politically correct answer, which we give athletes a hard time when they don't speak sort of honestly and transparently. And now I'm giving them a hard time for doing that. Right, it, right. It, it it just it it came off as sort of like really bro like right now so if I'm Ish or Neto I don't know I'm a petty person by heart so I, I would take it personally if I were him that's a, that's just sort of how I felt listening to it. I wonder if if the if with that because it's like I don't think that one small guy will will kill you I mean I, I think you'll find and is. His history will tell you, you know, perhaps the bigger guys aren't always as skilled as to where the smaller guys typically tend to be a little bit more skilled because they don't have the size to 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 make up for other deficiencies. So I think you can afford to have like one guy in your rotation that's like five eleven, six foot. But when you're talking about having two or three and um and especially at the same time, like Scott Brooks used to play like a, a three point guard lineup with like Russ ish and Neto, like you, you can afford to have one of those guys, and I would bet that I think everyone and Brad included would rather prefer Ish. And let's not forget also that Ish does have um, an option for this offseason. So if he if the team wants him back, I mean he's going to be. And I mean it's a it's not at the price ideally that you would want. I think it'll be a little over five mil, but it's certainly not the worst ever to to be a backup point guard. So I think that's fine, but. Um, I definitely agree with a lot of what he said. And uh, again, everything in terms of what the team needs, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And 
again, it's like a, a damned if you do and damned if you don't sort of thing when guys are transparent like that. I personally like it a little bit. Now, of course, it does come off a little off because you would have liked to at least hear him talk about himself a little bit more before he went into everything else. But, Dom, I wanted to, to get your thoughts if um, you had any on this. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of talked about it last night because, uh, you know, I watched it live and it was clearly a planned PR spot. Like it was Chris Miller up there. It was Tony Massenberg. Um, this this was a planned, you know, spot for him. And Chris Miller asked him the question, like, what do you think the team needs to do this summer to to, to improve the roster? And it's just like, you know, it is a damn if you do, damn if you don't, because he's sitting there injured coming off of the probably the worst year he's had the last five, six seasons. Um, and, you know, you're watching a team that just blew a 23-point lead to the worst team, one of the worst teams in the NBA, and he's basically saying, yeah, we need to replace half the roster with, with better 3 and D talent and, and better point guard play. Yeah, these bombs um, got to go. Yeah, and it, and it, but, I mean, it's true, but it's just the optics of it. It's like, come on, man. But my, my question is, like, why was that a planned PR spot? Like, why is he being asked that? Like, why have him come on a post-game show like that and ask that question? Because that's planned. If anybody thinks that was just him being tongue-in-cheek and just off the off the top of the dome, like, no, that was that was planned. Those questions get approved before, you know, before showtime. And it's just like, the Wizards PR is just like, why would you put your your top dog in that position? And then it's like he he said some other things throughout the interview too that I thought were true. Like he mentioned KP, the KP acquisition, um, how he needs that. He's always asked for, you know, an elite big man to take some pressure off of him. Uh he he talked about the young guys, Kisper, Rui, Denny, how he's impressed with them and what they can bring to the table. And he even mentioned he thought Rui was the most impressive of the three from a talent perspective of what he's gone through and how he's shooting the ball. Uh, but it's like they don't cut that clip. They cut the clip of him basically <laughs> saying he needs, a, the, you know, upgrades on the roster. And I'm just like, who's making these decisions? Like, it's just it's mind boggling to me. You just made like an amazing point, though, about Wizards the wizard's propaganda machine in general like not, for anyone just to reinforce what you just said like there is no way that all of this wasn't very premeditated and arranged and agreed to up right like the team makes it unbelievably hard to get access to guys and you have to have like a certain amount of running things by them about topic and timing and Granted, it's a lot easier for NBC than it is for a podcaster or whoever else they, that wants access to these guys. But at the end of the day, like, they knew during Brad's uh, media day thing that the vaccine stuff was coming up. His agent showed up on the call. His wife was on the call. Like, these things are not um, sort of spontaneous. Like, hey, Brad was walking by the studio and they're like, want to jump on after the game for a few minutes? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he knew he was going to be asked that. And you know, in a world of clickbait, that, you know, to, to your last point, like, that was going to be the part that got pulled as soon as they knew that that was on the list of questions. That's a Tommy Shepard question. That's a Ted Leonsis question. It's not an injured player who can't be out there with his teammates right now question, in my opinion. So it's just a failure from the organization where you're setting him up 
to potentially look like a doofus. I, I will say that for me, I, I like this in because I don't know if this was like uh, if if Tommy set this up or whoever, but I like that now Beal has been put um, on that stage and in that scenario where he's asked these questions publicly. So, like we know all the time that Beal and Tommy, well, supposedly talk behind closed doors about what the team needs, but now that he's relayed that to the public, and now we know what we're looking for. Well, we have something to go to Tommy and say, okay, well, either you are addressing this or you are not. Because before, it's like, yeah, we can guess what type of players they want, but we don't actually know what Beal likes and um, what what Tommy's goal is to try and find a free agency and, and the draft and all that. So if they're going to go this route and they're going to build around Brad, I mean, first off, I think that's why he was in that spot because who knows? I mean, yeah, he's going to go out there and say what he's going to say and be bold about it. What are you going to do? Not pay the guy? It was to show his commitment to the team longer term. He's locked in because he's already thinking about next year's roster. You're you're spot on. Right. So it's like if if we're going to go this route, right, and we're going to build around Beal, I would rather know what what he's looking for and try to put a team to build around that before you – blow it up if if things don't eventually work and i know a lot of people already want to do that but you before you make that kind of decision and make your fan base suffer more than it already has because we we got to remember the past couple years we've been trying to win and we have not won we made an eight seed from a play-in tournament and then now we're not even going to qualify for the play-in so before you make your fan base suffer even more you need to make sure that you exhaust all options, and I don't think that you can say that in the in the Beal era, if that's what you want to call it, I don't think that they've done that yet. Now, they're starting to get there with the addition of KP and all that, but this offseason is going to be huge. And now that Beal has kind of laid out what additionally that he thinks that we need, now we have something to go off of for the offseason and say, okay, well, we, we really need to improve X, Y, Z. So to, to that, like... One of the things that worked when Wall had a similar question asked of him, they said, John, what do you need to be successful? And he said, I could use a stretch for. And the way he's saying that is not disparaging the current people on the roster. It's a compliment to the existing group. Hey, I need a guy that can pull the defense out of the lane and I can kick it out to. The way this question was framed and Beal's answer was framed, it's a very clearly pointing the finger at guys who are not working, who are not longer-term fits, in, in my opinion. That's just how I, I took it, and, and I don't even know that that's what was intended. Like, a, I, I don't know that he meant it, both Ish and, and Neto have to go, but when you say we can't have more short guards out there, we can't have guards that don't shoot, like we can't have guards that don't defend, that's just, like, we all know who he's talking about. So it's just sort of the context around all of that came off poorly to me. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember the the wall comments about the roster a, a few times. Like I remember him asking publicly for an athletic big lob threat. And, yeah. And, yeah, a lob threat. And I remember Gortat feeling away about that. You know, and then you know they, he asked for the stretch four, um, and then I think they went and got him Chris Humphreys, which was laughable. <laughs> um, and then I remember him publicly, basically insinuating them trading Otto Porter for Paul George. Uh, and, and that was probably the, the height of the, the hilariousness. Um, yeah, that was bad at the end. Those but it's two just, did not like each other. <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind of like, 
you know, I feel like that was Wall kind of being tongue in cheek and just honest about the roster. But this, I feel like with Beal, it's like this was planned. Like this, that clip was was put on the NBC Sports Washington page. Like they wanted fans to see this and engage with it. And I know they see all the tweets regarding, you know, you know, the PR around Brad and his Supermax and, and the team. And just for them to consciously make that decision to put that clip out or even set the interview up that way format wise to begin with is just it's just wild to me. Well, <clears throat> we'd love to sit here and diagnose this segment all day, but unfortunately we have other shit to talk about. So there was a game last night that the Wizards played in half the time. Um, Half the time they did not. But they ended up having a a 20-point lead, right, in the first half, and then they end up losing. Did they end up losing by 20, or was it like 15 or what? 18. You might as well say they lost by 20. 97 to 115. What what was the second half? Uh, It was like 84 to 43 or something like that. What was it? The Wizards it was 34 s- points in the second half. 64 to 34. They got outscored by 30. Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. Okay, cool. So, in summary, not good. And, Dama, you said this last night, so I'll let you lead off with this. We've seen some pretty bad losses this year, and I just want to know, like, where do you put this? I mean, this is probably the worst loss of the season. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to debate much of that, but... How oh, like Pelicans. uh yeah well, see the the fact there's that we a lot can of have worse losses of the season <laughs> there's Clippers. a lot of yeah. so I, I definitely wanted to get your thoughts though and like sort of why do you think that this has happened and sort of where do you I, I hate to play that game as fans where it's like you have to blame something but like what when this kind of thing happens like you can't just blame no one and say well it just happens like no like there there's a reason that this happens and I just I want to get your thoughts on why this has happened so many times this year. I think the biggest reason it's it's happened is is the coaching staff. Honestly, um, I think that's the biggest reason. I just don't think they have the the requisite experience on the staff to kind of okay. This is what's happening. This is the game flow. This is how it's going. It's no longer working. Let's change course. Um, it doesn't seem like there's like a plan C, D, you know, there's just like a plan A going into the game and then there's maybe a plan B and then there's nothing after that. Like they're just going to ride it out and whatever the result is, that's just going to be the result. And there, there's just no, I just don't feel like there's any leadership from the 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 staff, the coaching staff to really hold guys to account and, and make adjustments on the fly. Like it, it just really, you know, we've joked about this a lot, but it, it just really feels like Wes has his, his road out pregame index cards and he does not deviate off of them. Like, you know, that Clippers collapse, 35 point blown lead. You know, you watch Ty Lue literally sub up the sub out his whole five and put young guys in just to get a spark. And it worked. And then, and then he identified the guys that played well out of that group, and then put some 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 matchup uh, starters back in to kind of close it out and complete the comeback and win. And you just saw West just kind of just sit there on his hands, like just just let it happen. 
just kept playing the same guys, getting cooked, and just it just let it happen. Um, this Rockets game, you you saw the same thing. Christian Wood just going off, and once these guys get in the rhythm, they're NBA players. Once they get in the rhythm, you gotta you have to do something tangibly to turn that water off. And West was just like, uh, no, I'm gonna leave Rui on him. <laughs> like it's just like, dude, like do something, trap him, uh, you know, double team something. To get the ball out of his hand, make him make a decision instead of just getting the ball, seeing one one defender in front of him, and it's just I'm gonna go one on one showtime. I'm I'm a heat check, um, and it's just like like I I just really feel like it, the the coaching staff, man. That that's where I will pinpoint it. Um, but but flowing down, you know, the leadership with Brad and and whoever else you want to put at the top of that, like it's just not there. Um and and they got to do some soul searching this summer to, to to address it. Matt, do you want to go ahead and take this next spot? It's, it comes down to pride to me across the board. If you're Wes, you want to like have enough pride that you're not going to get like circles coached around you. Going back to that Clippers game, like he took his one adjustment was to bench Gafford for the second half, basically. And then it turned into a layup line. So, like, that's your adjustment? Like, oh, he, we didn't like his energy. Okay, well, inspire him to play with more energy, not sit him down and and have people, like, run to the rim on you. I, I don't know. Things like that drive me kind of nuts. And he's got to want to make decisions that impact the game at a certain point or put people out there or motivate. Like, it is a failure on his part, but the same thing applies to the players too like yes your coach isn't putting you in a position to be successful but if you're Rui like you should be embarrassed that you've made Christian Wood look like a combination of prime Kevin Garnett and Amari Stoudemire like forearm him in the teeth I I don't care what you do get thrown out of the game like something or as a coach get fired like thrown out Somebody do something to sort of rally the troops here and make make it clear to the rest of the league that this will not be acceptable. Like, you won't show up and walk all over us and we'll just sit here and go, oh, shucks, that's a bummer. That's what this team does. They sort of get walked all over and then they go into the press conference and they throw subtle shade at each other. But then it's like, man, we just couldn't do this. Man, we just couldn't do that. And it's never... Hey, this didn't work, so we tried this. This didn't work, so we tried this. In the NBA, some nights you're going to have nights where, like, no matter what you do, a guy is so good, uh, you just kind of can't game plan properly for it. I'm not saying that Christian Wood was that guy last night, but it does happen. But at least be transparent about that. Because I know there are more things they have to be doing that maybe we're just not seeing or guys aren't executing on or whatever. But what people can see is sort of the pride you take in not letting that happen to you. So the next time he goes to the hoop, somebody bust his ass. Like, do something. I, I, I don't think I've seen that at all this year. I, I try to, like, after Scott Brooks, I'm like, there's no way, like, all these NBA coaching staffs are this bad. But I started looking at it, like, from a different point of view and looking at how, how other fans complain about coaches. And I... I don't know what it is about the NBA, but there's just not a lot of adjustments made, like in general. Like we know that talent wins, but for some reason, and and really with us, we've just never been a team that that makes those sort of adjustments. Whether it's Scott Brooks or um, now West Unsell Jr., Randy Whitman was probably the one who made the most adjustments out of all of them, and, and we still, I think, 
agreed that Randy Whitman, objectively speaking, was not a good basketball coach. Um, and Matt, I think you made a good point where, you know, we're kind of, we're that aw shucks team to where, and now it's leaked to our fans, like that sort of attitude where we got fans saying like, well, that stuff just happens sometimes. It's okay. Like, oh, you would think after years of torture like that, that you would be like, okay, this happens, but now how can we get it to stop happening? It shouldn't happen and, three quarters of the season. <laughs> right. And, and it, overall, it's just extremely frustrating. But unless you guys have anything else to add on, uh, we can move on to KT. I just want to throw one final thing out, if you don't mind. And, and it's sure. we, we talk about coaching adjustments and the reason we don't see as much of them. And I think because it's it's so nuanced and subtle how you can change things in the NBA. Like in a college team, if they switch from a matchup zone to a full court, you know, like a one, two, two or a two, two, one or whatever you want to switch to, like, it's very apparent what somebody is doing. You go from man to zone In the NBA. It's so much more subtle and, and it relies on those players like executing a game plan flawlessly to make those kind of like marginal tweaks. And I don't know that that's transparent to us because again, we don't know what the particular game plan is. We don't know what scheme they're actually trying to implement. And that's what makes it really hard, I think, to evaluate coaching from our perspective. If you're not in the locker room, it's it, we don't know what was put up on the whiteboard and reinforced to them and, and whether they did or didn't do it. I, one of the adjustment-based things, though, that I think that good coaches do make in terms of, and, and we've talked about this with Wes all year, is to sort of feel for the game and being able to make certain substitutions. And like I was telling Damo on the last episode, like – the, through the course of the season, he's gotten better at the end of games where he makes those offense-defense substitutions. Like that, That's something at the beginning of the season he was not doing whatsoever. And as the season has gone on, we've sort of seen that a little bit more. But generally speaking, like Ndamo was saying, and Oz has said this several times on the timeline, like it's not in his note cards, so he's not going to change it. And it's you have to be able to understand, like when you put Neto back in with seven six minutes left in the fourth or whatever it is and he's straight ass for four minutes perhaps you should put someone else in for that last two i mean he's on a veteran minimum contract you're not tied to him past the season like you don't owe him anything so it's just things like that but uh damo you got anything to cap this off yeah i I wonder with him like you know like motivation as a as a head coach is like so so important and and sometimes the motivation to to get that motivation you have to be confrontational like i i wonder like is Wes being a first time head coach and dealing with conflict you know is that something that he kind of maybe shies away from like like oh instead of me having to get in this guy's ass and chew him out to motivate him to be better i'm just going to bench him and then it's kind of like this, it's like a, you know, it's this, I don't know, cloud of passive aggressiveness that just passes through the team where they don't actually address each other and communicate to each other. They just kind of, I'm just not going to talk to you or I'm a, I'm a bench you or I'm gonna make a slight jab at you in a press conference, but I'm never going to actually address you directly on what I want you to be better at. And so it's just, you know, it's just everybody pointing fingers and we're all getting bad results. So, so Larry Hughes was on that team when uh, Wes Unseld was here as an assistant the first go-round and said that Wes was the guy that people could go to 
and they weren't happy with a role or whatever, and he was low-key, and he'd talk it out with you, and he was sort of the, like the sounding board for things, and he would help you find the right way to approach it to the assistant. And that's an assistant's job a lot of the time, is to be the bridge and smooth things over. And I think sometimes when you've been a 25-year assistant, it's probably hard to get out of that like mindset. Sure. Um, but So he's the good it, cop. He's the good cop, exactly. And and you need a bad cop. And whether that's another assistant, if that's not your role, but like your point, the staff needs to complement him and his skill set. And doesn't I don't know if they're doing that or not. If Joseph Blair is the guy MFing people in the locker room, but you know, somebody somebody's gotta light a fire here some way. And I think like to your point, the direct confrontational route, um, some somebody should be trying that somewhere, I would hope. Well, and this is why I was always a little stunned that they didn't at least interview some veteran coaches. Like, I, I got to be honest, like the, with the, the win now agenda and the, and the fan in me <clears throat> that loves this team that just wants them to win. You know, I mean, if, if there is a quality veteran coach available this offseason, that's going to be able to chew guys out and, and get results and, and be a better leader and make adjustments like and w- what I want them to at least consider making a change. I, I personally would. Now, I know they're not gonna, um, especially with the, the family legacy and all that, and I get it, but that was always my concern with bringing in a young coach with the winning agenda is if, I mean, you're gonna have to know right away if he's good or not. Because, and I just don't know. Again, he's probably gonna be better long term, obviously. I think that the more you do something, the, the better you get at it uh, in an ideal world. But perhaps that that sort of timeline just doesn't fit with the, uh, with, with the win now agenda that seems to be placed on the wizards. All right. Yeah, man, I, I know, uh, uh, I know you probably wouldn't want him as the head of your, 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 uh, your team, um, your franchise, but I, I just find it hard to believe that a guy like a Mark Jackson would let what took place last night or that Clippers collapse happen. Somebody right. get knocked on the ass and getting chewed out. Like I just, but that, that that yeah, that's all I got on that. All right, um, moving on to Kristaps Porzingis. Now, me and Dom have talked about Kristaps Porzingis several times, uh, but Matt, I kind of want to get your wanted to get your thoughts on the what you think the the early return has been on the Porzingis trade and just the 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 talent of him in general. I'd say like a B plus so far. I mean, if I had to give it like a grade, uh, it's been more good than bad to me. Like he's obviously not a perfect player. Uh, He brings a lot of good things to the table. It sounds like whatever Wes's system is, that's sort of still nebulous or ambiguous to the rest of us. uh, KP seems to complement that well, or at least they think he will longer term. And if you're looking to create that, Nuggets model, again, I don't know, maybe Beal is your Jamal Murray type, and Porzingis can be, or some subset of Porzingis and Kuzma can be your high post creators, and I don't know, I, he's he's got some holes defensively, he can't guard in space, I think you need to tailor the roster with him in mind to kind of, like, hide those things a little bit better, but just given where they are, and they've kind of thrown him out there without, like, other guys sort of um, tailored to him. I think it's been about as good as you could kind of reasonably expect, at least as good as I reasonably expected. How about that? 
Yeah, and uh, he's done a lot of good things. You know, his his post scoring is is great to see. Obviously, the ability to stretch the floor. Although since we've acquired him, he hasn't been particularly great from three point range. I think he's below thirty three percent now, which is which is not good. But the fact that he at least gives you that option to be able to stretch the floor in some capacity, and at least he brings other things to the table, like where we talked about with Thomas Bryant being able to stretch the floor, but it was either he's popping out for mid-range shots, he's getting layups at the rim off pick and roll or popping out for a three. Like he he has no other versatility much other than that, whereas KP is a more versatile player offensively. But like you said, I mean, you know, he does have a lot of holes. He cannot guard in space whatsoever. Um he's very fragile and, and frail, soft, whatever term you want to use in the paint. Um if he had a hook shot, it, that would really help his game a lot. But whenever he gets in that low post and on the block, he he turns into guys with his shoulders and then just tries to put up a shot. But it ends up getting blocked, I feel like, more often than not, which is odd to say for his size. But um, his physique is obviously uh, not that great. But all right. Well, obviously, the Wizards at this point are not going to be qualifying for the, the play. And like I said earlier, and certainly not the, the playoffs. Uh, so... Matt, what do you want to see from this team to close out the season? So it's essentially a lost season. You know, Kuzma's out right now with a knee injury. Who knows if he'll be back before the season is over. But what do you want to see from these young guys? And what do you want to see from West to, to give you more confidence going into next season? Uh, effort, visible, giving a shit, if there's like a more technical term for that. Like, it is <laughs> not always transparent with this group like there are certain guys that you can see a level of frustration from you can hear it from them in the post game and then there are other guys where it's just the it's the aw shucks again like there's some shrugging and so be it i think for them prioritizing some of the younger guys would be good i'd love a few minutes here and there for todd i'd love mixing in jordan shackle a few minutes with you know some of the key reserves to see if he can actually play in an NBA caliber game with NBA caliber teammates. I think you could bring a couple of the G League guys up here or there just to do that and, and see if there's any potential opportunity for them to provide value next year. Could Kyrie Walker play eight minutes in a game, you know, the last week of the season even just to see if, you know, he's able to remotely keep up with pace of play or, or those sorts of things. Like, the G League's great. I love it. I actually like that style of basketball or that quality of basketball, but it isn't the NBA, and it's not always translatable. So just getting some opportunity or some understanding of if you can fill out the roster with some of those guys next year, I, I think would be important. All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end off for today. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you are. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Also, check out Matt and his podcast, the Believe in Wizards podcast. And we will see you next time. Oh,